0: Matthew, if you have your Bibles, the first book of the New Testament, one of the Gospels. And in it, you find the narrative of Jesus. Matthew is a very descriptive uh, Gospel. It talks uh, a lot about uh, the goings-on in the life of Jesus, Matthew, the 14th chapter. I'm going to read out of the King James, not for any other reason uh, except comfort today. Whatever other version you have would be sufficient and um, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. Matthew 14 and verse 14, are you there? All right. If you don't, just ask somebody to help me find Matthew. Or just stare at the screens. Like you're, If you can sleep with your eyes open, you can do that too. Matthew 14 and 14. I'm going to read a lot, and I'm inf- unfortunately, uh, I'm going to read a lot, and it's un- uncharacteristic. Uh, But I want you to get this full picture of this. Jesus went forth, verse 14, and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and He healed their sick. Everybody say, He healed them. He didn't just feed them, He healed them. If the only reason you come to church is to get fed and you don't leave different than how you came, you didn't really come to church. This is not just a feeding place. This is a healing place. Amen. Amen. So Jesus healed them, and when it was evening, His disciples came to Him and said, this is a desert. They must have been in Austin. And the time, it was so hot yesterday. I waited to cut my, I gotta stop. I waited to cut my grass till 8 o'clock last night. My hand to God, it was 102 degrees at 8 o'clock last night. We live in a hairdryer, my friends. So this, back to your text, this was a desert place like Austin, and the time has now passed, so send them home. We're tired, they're tired, and they're hungry. Verse 16, Jesus said to them, they don't need to depart. You can feed them. They said, we don't have anything to feed them. We've got five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. In verse 19, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. It's not too desert-like. And he took up five loaves and two fish, and looking up into heaven, he blessed it, then he broke it. He blessed it, then he broke it. He blessed everything he had his hands on, and immediately after that, he broke it. And he gave the loaves to his disciples, and they distributed to the multitude. Verse 20, and they did all eat, and they were filled, and they took up fragments that remained 12 baskets full. Verse 21, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men and women and children were there. Verse 22, listen close. And straightway everybody say immediately immediately following this miracle Jesus constrained made compelled instructed told them you have no choice but to get into a ship and go before him to the other side And the multitudes he sent away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray. Catch the story. Disciples, you go get in the boat. I'm going to the mountain. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, which is where we will take our text today. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea. They had already begun their journey and the ship was out in the midst, in the middle of the sea. They were already halfway between where they had left Jesus and where they were meeting Jesus. And they were tossed with waves and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them and he was walking on the water. You know this, when the disciples saw him walking, they were troubled, saying it's a spirit. They were fearful and straightway. Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It's I, be not afraid. Listen to that. He spoke to them and said that. And Peter spoke to him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water, but when he started looking again, there he goes again, relying on what he sees, there was wind and it was boisterous and he was afraid and he began to sink and then he started talking again. Sometimes you can't always trust what you see. And so he starts talking to the Lord again and he cried and said, "Lord, save me." And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him, and he started talking to him and said to him, "Oh you have little faith. Why did you doubt when he came to the ship, the wind ceased? Verse 33, almost done. And then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. always found that to be interesting. These are already disciples, and it just dawned on them. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out to everybody say, All. Everybody in the country that was sick, they brought to him and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And everybody that touched him were made perfectly whole. And I want to preach to you for just a couple of moments about the madness in the middle. The madness in the middle. Put your Bibles down and your hands high in the air, and I want you to ask the Lord to help you for the next few moments and open our spirits together. Lord Jesus, I need you today. I want to walk out of here better today. God, I want to walk out of here changed by your word today. I open my spirit. God, I open my heart. God, I need you today. I need you to speak to me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Put your hands together one more time, and then you can be seated today. The Bible speaks a lot about our five senses, touch and taste and hearing and sight and even smell. We're constantly introduced through the vernacular, the word of God to the senses that you and I possess, scriptures that say things like this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say amen. amen. And then another scripture talks about if I may touch the hem of his garment, always appealing to our senses, our hearing and our our tasting, and our touching. Probably two of the most talked about senses in the Bible out of the five senses are that of hearing and that of sight. That of hearing and that of sight. The Bible says faith comes by... Everybody shout hearing. Hearing. Shout hearing. hearing. Faith comes to you by hearing God's Word. It's evident that the ability to hear the Word of God produces more faith in your life. If you are lacking faith, it could be because you're not listening enough. Hearing is that sense that gives you the ability to believe God in greater measures in your life. Hearing is the sense that gives entrance into your spirit and the ability to grow stronger in your walk with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus who could not see Jesus in the New Testament, but he was able to hear him. And the ability to hear him gave blind Bartimaeus access to his miracle. Say amen. Sometimes you and I do not have the strength to see. Beyond the size of the storm that we are facing, sometimes our sight fails us. That's why the Bible would say you and I don't walk by. We don't walk by what we see, but we walk by faith. Our sight can fail us. It's tricky sometimes. It doesn't always tell us the truth sometimes. Have you ever received a text message or an email from your wife, spouse, girlfriend, or boyfriend and said, huh? Surely he ain't talking to me like that. (laughs) He didn't mean it like that. It's, It's not the highest form of communication because You can't really interpret tone that way. You can't really find out what he's trying to say. You don't actually know what it is that's in his heart because you're only looking at words and not hearing them. And sometimes you can't fully understand what God is doing in your life by what you see. Sometimes you have to go by what you hear. That's why when you hear a preacher say something like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, you can go out of church saying, I can hold on to that. When you hear a preacher say, resist the devil and he will flee from you, then there's something miraculous that can transpire inside of you. I preach to you this morning because I believe that everything that is within me, that preaching, is ordained by God to give us direction and encouragement and salvation and renewal and deliverance and restoration. That's why your Bible says God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. There's something about what happens when you engage your ears to the preached word of God. Say amen. There's something about coming to church and saying, God, I'm going to open my ears, both naturally and spiritually, and I'm going to receive from you today. Preaching is more than a vocal exercise or a recital of facts. It's an avenue whereby the spiritual and prophetic is introduced to humanity. And at the core of preaching is the fact that God chose it to make a difference in my life. At the core of preaching, it's that God chose talking to me, me listening to him so that I can be changed. Say amen. It's so that I don't just trust what I see, but I can trust what I hear. Listen, preaching is never just about information. Preaching is never just about what it is that you receive in the facts. It's never just about the fact that it's storming. It's never just about me telling you that this life sometimes is tumultuous. It's never just about the fact that I point out to you through preaching that God is with you in your storm. No, preaching is so much more than that. Preaching is all about germination. It's not about what it achieves at the moment, but it's about what it sets into. Tumult- In your heart and in your spirit and in your family, God's preached word is the deed of a seed that's planted in my heart. And I'm going to water it this week with prayer and I'm going to mix my faith with it. And if we're not careful, what will happen is later on in this week, you and I will be facing something and we'll say, I remember hearing about that. I remember what I heard in that situation. And so we mix our faith with God's word and it produces Spiritual maturity. Say amen. Amen. Behind every revival known to mankind, you'll find a preacher preaching. Behind every God called church impacting a city, a society, a neighborhood, a state, or a country, you'll find a preacher preaching. God thought preaching to be so important. Listen, God thought preaching to be so important and our ability to hear from Him so important that God Himself came to this earth as a preacher, a speaker. I'm convinced that one of the very things that's going to get me through my struggles is a preacher preaching to me. Say amen. I believe with all of my heart that one of the vital instruments God uses to get you through the storms in your lives is a preacher preaching. Preaching is more than just telling me what I want to hear or inspiring me. It's more than rehearsing a narrative or soothing my conscience. Preaching should be a word from God that challenges my faith and preps my spirit for a miracle. Preaching should be something that impacts my destiny. It should shake hell off of my shoulders. Preaching should be such that it's a word Word that brings alignment to my spirit so that God's will in my life can be performed. If you are thankful for a God-called preacher in your life, I wish you would put your hands together and give God praise in the house of God. And so Jesus, man, I told you, I can't help it. So, Jesus ministers in this earth, and his words were never intended to fall just on the ground, empty of purpose and without direction. Jesus' words made impact. He was a preacher. When he spoke, there was deliverance, there was difference. Everybody that heard him left different than how they came when they came to hear. When Jesus preached, when he spoke the word, dead men got out of there. Tombs. Blind eyes were open and demons ran the other direction. Searching men and women can find hope and healing. When Jesus would preach, He would change the future of a prostitute when Jesus would preach. He would bring a woman from Samaria to her right mind and out of the arms of an illicit sexual relationship when Jesus would preach. He would take men out of their boats and out of their professions to spend the next three and a half years of their life with this rabbi, with this preacher. When Jesus would preach, everybody would listen. His words made a difference. His words offered directions. His words were that of deliverance. And I'm convinced that the same power of the spoken word is in this house today. Say amen. amen. You're not here by accident. You're not hearing by accident. Your faith comes to you by hearing. We're here to hear God's word that will change and challenge. Our lives. We're here so that the bands that bind us can be loosened. We're here so that we can receive hope for a hopeless situation and peace in a troubled mind. God's word is not dead; it is alive. Say amen. God's word is moving and working and pruning and decreeing and declaring and delivering. God's word is active to me. It brings light to darkness and life to deadness. And I thank God for His word. Say amen. All of that is so important so that you know that you can't always trust what you see. All of that is so that you know you can't always trust what the situation looks like. Sometimes you have to start talking. Sometimes you have to start listening. Sometimes you have to engage another one of your senses. And so the ministry of Christ is revealed. And the power of the spoken word. We could spend hours looking at various moments in the New Testament in the life of Jesus that would reveal this characteristic. But I want to examine a moment that we will find in all four of the Gospels. If we were given a glimpse into all of the miracles that Jesus performed, John said there wouldn't be enough space in all the world to contain the books of all the miracles that Jesus performed. We really only know a very little bit about what he did on this earth. And so if you study the book of John alone, there's only nine miracles recorded there. And I'm sure that Jesus did multitudes more than that. But all of the Gospels record the same miracle of the feeding of 5,000. All four Gospels record that Jesus fed hungry people. This miracle is pivotal in the ministry of Jesus and his relationship to his disciples. When you examine all four of the gospel accounts for this particular day for the life of Jesus and his disciples, it gives us a remarkable overview and tremendous insight into what Jesus was trying to teach us. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people plus men and women, 6, 7, 8,000, 9,000 potentially people with just five loaves of bread and two fishes, and I don't even like fish. He healed them of all their sickness because that's so important. That's so important that you know that you don't just come to Jesus when you're empty and need filling. You come to Jesus when you're broken and need healing. This was such an amazing day for the crowd, all the sick people, all the hungry people, all the disciples. Everybody's happy. Miracles all around. Everybody's high-fiving people all the way up in the cheap seats in the balcony. Everybody's happy about it. What a service we had. What an incredible revival meeting we had. Jesus just fed all these people. Did you see what happened? Everybody was happy. Everybody was happy about what it just occurred everybody was so thankful everybody was so excited sick people were going home well and finally the service ends like some of you are hoping this one does soon and Jesus instructs his disciples to get out on the ship and go to the other side and I'm going to go to the mountain to pray you go get in the ship I'm going that way. You go this way. I'm going this way. You go do that. I'm going to go do this. You go over there. I'm going over there. Don't you hate it when you feel like God has told you to go one way and you feel like He's headed the other way? Don't you hate it when you feel like you heard from God to do this? to make this decision, to go over here, to have this, to go there. And you turn around and look once you're on the boat and you realize Jesus is waving from the shore. (laughs) I thought we were going on the boat together. So the disciples get on the boat and they begin their journey to the other side and then it happened. As so often happens in my life when I'm on the boat and I feel alone. Suddenly, in the middle of a trek to where I think God has told me to go, a storm arises. Suddenly, when I'm doing what I thought was right, a storm comes up. Suddenly, when I'm doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing, when I'm going the direction I thought I was supposed to be going, when I'm making the decision I thought I was supposed to be making, when I'm living the way I thought I was supposed to be living, then I recognize a storm is arising, looking at the other accounts of this moment in the Gospels. We discover that the disciples became very fearful. I think that's an understatement probably. The gospel according to Mark states that they forgot what Jesus had just done. they forgotten the miracle of the loaves and fishes because of the hardening of their hearts. Isn't that so true for you and I? How quickly it is that we get out in the middle of a sea all by ourselves and madness starts brewing and a storm starts coming, and how quickly we forget what Jesus has just done for us. How easy it is for me to say, I don't know if he's coming through this time. I don't know if he'll make it this time. We forget that he just fed 5,000 men and women and children. And fear replaced the faith of the disciples because of the chaos they found themselves in. All the high-fiving had stopped. All of the positive talking had stopped. All of the praising and promoting had ended. And here they find themselves halfway between where Jesus told them to leave and where Jesus was taking them. And there began for them, like it so often does for us, the madness in the middle. The madness... That we find in the middle of where God wants us to go. The madness that you and I find ourselves in. When we leave the safety of the shore. And we're not quite where we're supposed to be going. And we get right out to the middle of the sea. Where we can't see where we came from. And I can't see where I'm going. And there's a storm that's brewing. When I don't know if we're going to make it back. And I don't know if we're going to make it to the other side. There's madness in the middle. They didn't have an understanding of what God was trying to teach them. Listen, they had just come from an incredible church service and an incredible experience with Jesus, but now they were alone and wrestling with the wind that was so contrary to them. Struggling with a storm on the way to the other side. Caught in the middle of madness because their miracle hadn't come through yet. God had yet to provide for them and God was teaching them. Their right and in- in the middle of a decision. They're right in the middle of progress. They're right in the middle of what I'm supposed to be doing. And a storm comes brewing. My friends, my brothers and sisters today, my challenge is that when I get in the madness of the middle is I must, you must recognize that God is taking me somewhere. Say amen. Amen. Revelation, write this down in your notes. Revelation does not come on the safety of the shore. It almost always comes in the strangeness of a storm. You never fully understand God's purpose when you're still standing on the shore of a miracle. You never really understand God's full purpose for you. You don't really get revelation of your destiny. You don't really know what God's going to do until you're tossed by the waves of adversity, battered by the winds of trials and hurts and misunderstanding. That's when revelation comes. The thing that separates belief from unbelief is understanding that right in the middle of this madness right here in the middle of this sea when i don't know how this is going to end when i've left the safety of the shore and i'm not quite where god told me to go i know beyond the shadow of a doubt that i can trust almighty god i know that he's teaching me something in this storm say amen You and I have to recognize we could never know Jesus as a healer if we never had disease. We would never know Jesus as a provider if we never lost our job. We would never know that Jesus could restore families unless ours was broken up. We would never know that Jesus was a comforter until we laid our spouse, our baby in a coffin to rest. You and I, most of the time, get revelation about who God is in the middle of a storm. We recognize who God is and his purpose in my life when we get in the middle of a storm. Understanding is what separates belief from unbelief. Understanding that God is in control even when I don't feel him. Say amen. Even when I can't. The disciples are facing madness in the middle of the sea. In the middle of this chaos, it's so easy to forget what God had done back on the shore. You and I get distracted on the way to our destiny by the storm that we face in the middle of the sea. I found in my life I always have an option about how I struggle in the storm. You and I have an option today about how we face whatever it is that you happen to be facing today. You and I always have a choice about our response to the storms of our life. And if you're in a storm today that you saw coming out of nowhere, you just got on the boat, he said, go that way, you went that way, and here is a storm you said God I thought that you told me to get in this boat I did I thought you told me to go to that side I did I'm trying to teach you something you and I always have an option about how we can respond here's often what I do I stay in the boat I would rather sink with a bucket in my hand trying to empty the water out of it by myself than I would step out there and try to walk on water. I would just rather keep doing what I've always done and complaining that Jesus doesn't come through. It's easier for me to blame God when I'm still on the boat shoveling water out as quickly as I can with my bucket. It's easier for me to blame my friends and my spouse and everybody around me when I'm still on the boat shoveling water out. It's easy for you and I to choose to do what we've always done. It was at this time, listen, when the disciples feel like they're sinking and doing all that they can, that the Bible says that Jesus was up on the mountain and there in the sea. Don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. Jesus' vantage point is always higher than yours. He can always see where you can't see. Where he is is higher than where we are. Where he rests is above where I am. And while the storms of my life are raging down there, Jesus is on top of the mountain watching it all unfold. And when you and I feel like nobody sees and nobody cares, Jesus is on top of the mountain making sure that you're okay and making sure that it doesn't engulf you. And Jesus sees the storm when you and I can't see around us when the waves are too high for us to see on the other side when you and I don't know how we're going to get out of this Jesus is on top of the mountain looking down where we are in our storm and Jesus finds himself on the mountain you are not alone he has not forgotten you He is not blinded by the same wind you are. He is not blinded by the same waves you are. That's why, that's why the prophet would say his ways are so much higher than my ways. Where he stands is above where I stand. What he sees is further than what I see. How he sees my ending is different than how I see my ending. Jesus can see the other side of your storm and just just you wait cause not many minutes later Jesus comes walking down the mountain and when I couldn't get to where he was he came walking towards me when I couldn't make my way where he was he came where I was somebody stand to your feet and give God praise cause when you couldn't get to him he came to you When I don't know how I'm going to get out of this boat Just hang on Because Jesus is coming down the mountain When I can't see how this is going to end Just hold on Because Jesus is coming Down the mountain And he makes his way To the yoke. If you stand and clap, I get worse. (laughs) Sit down. Maybe you've never been in a boat like I've been in. Maybe you've never seen a storm like I've been in. But I can't get quiet when I think about how alone I feel. And then I lift my eyes up and I see Jesus coming walking on the water. And I think to myself, how did he get down here when I couldn't get up there? He comes to where I am. Can I tell you today that God Almighty will defy the very laws of nature to get where you are? Listen to me. You are not all alone in the middle of an ocean. You are not going to sink all alone. Our God will do anything short of failing and sin to reach you in your middle. He comes walking on the water. He'll walk. Listen. Jesus will walk on top of the very thing that's trying to drown you so he can deliver you. He'll come walking right on top of the madness so he can get to you in the middle. And the disciples did what we all do. They opened their eyes and thought they saw a ghost. You can't always trust what you see. You can't always trust what it looks like. Listen, when you're a nail, everything, everything seems like a hammer. When you're down and out, you don't know if you're ever going to get out of it. When you're hurt, everybody seems hurtful. When you're down and depressed, everything seems depressing. When you're alone, everybody seems to be leaving you. When you're scared, everything seems to be scary. And then finally, one disciple, the loud mouth, Peter, said, I don't know if I can trust what I see. That looks like Jesus, but I'm not sure because I can't trust what I see in a storm. And so Peter does what everybody has to do at some point in your life. He raises his voice and he cries out, Jesus, is that you? Because sometimes you can trust what you hear more than what you see And Jesus raised his voice back because he's a preacher and that's what preaching does. It lifts you out of your storm. It gives you a word of deliverance. It tells you that you don't have to stay where you currently are. That you don't have to go down with a sinking ship. And so Jesus speaks back and says, Come. Peter decides. It's better to be with the one that's walking over what we're sinking under. It's better for me to get out there where he is. Listen to me, you cannot get frustrated, and lose out with God when you're in the middle of a storm, when you feel all alone and you don't know where to go. You don't know how to get to where you're trying to get to. You don't know how to make your way out. You don't know how it's going to end up. You don't exactly know where. I promise you this. You can trust what you hear. And today, I hear him say, Come, come, come. If that's you, I can't really make you out in this storm. My eyes are blurry with sea salt. My wind is tossed. My hair is tossed in the wind. My face is chapped from the storm. I can only squint through this terrible storm. I don't know if that's you if it's you bid me come and Jesus says and so I stopped by on the last Sunday of June to tell you that Jesus is coming to get you He's seen you in your storm that from his high vantage point of the heavens he's seen you tossed around he knows you're right in the middle from where he told you to be where he called you from and where he's taking you to don't give up because of the madness in the middle don't lose heart in the middle of the sea don't get discouraged in the middle of the sea Peter stepped out listen because one man stepped out a whole boat was saved and they said I know of a truth thou art the son of God man, woman, mom, dad maybe your whole family is waiting on you to take the first step maybe your kids are waiting on you to finally stop attending Christian Life Church and start committing to Jesus Christ. Really start following him, not just attending. Really take a step out of the boat. You're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not quite who you were, but you're not quite who you could be. I thought he told me to leave this. I thought he told me to take this job. I thought he told me to move there. I thought she was the one. He was the one. I thought this decision was the right decision. And here I am caught between the safety of two storms. And madness always comes in the middle of the sea. And Jesus could have easily walked and waded into the shallow waters of the shore to rescue them. But he waited till they got out into the middle before he rescued them. He waited before they took the first step. He waited so that they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, no one else can save me but him. Nobody else can help me but him. Nobody else can get me out of here but him. Surely of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Nobody else could have done what you've done. Now listen. Hang on. Had it not been for the storm and the disciples' life, an entire country would have never known the delivering power of Jesus Christ. When they got to the other side, the Bible said a whole country called Genesaret every single sick person in the country was healed every single disease in an entire country was eradicated because of a storm because of faith because of somebody that said I don't know how to get to you So I hope you'll get to me I don't know if I can trust what I see here Some of you struggling soldiers Have been fighting the waves of fear Stay strong Hold on My sister through the storm That's raging in your life Hold on mom, dad Fight for your marriage Don't give up too soon God is taking us somewhere And when you get to where he's taking us A whole country could be saved. You've never seen revival like you'll see on the other side of a storm. You've never known Jesus this way till you get to the other side. I never knew he was able to help me like this had I not gone through that. I never knew he was able to heal everybody till I went through this storm. I never knew he could comfort me till I laid them in that ground. I never knew he could heal me till the doctor said there's no hope. I never knew he could put us back together till we were living apart. I never knew it wasn't over till he said it was over. I didn't know him this way. It took the madness In the middle of my sea, halfway between where I've come from and where I'm going to, the chaotic center and the madness of the middle, so that I know Jesus differently than how I left him on the shore. Stand to your feet all over the house. Some of you find yourself today with your eyes closed, your head bowed, everybody in the room. Some of you find yourself today in the middle of madness. Some of you find yourself today in the middle of a sea halfway between what you think you heard God say and where you think God's taking you. Some of you are halfway between your prayer and your promise. Some of you are halfway between The shore of safety and the miraculous of the feeding of the 5,000 to the greatest revival a country has ever known. Some of you wonder, why did I get all the way out here before a storm? Why couldn't a storm come closer to the shore? Why couldn't it be easier? Why did he wait till I got all the way out here till I sold everything, till I moved? Why did he wait till I committed to this job? Why did he wait till I emptied my savings account? Why did he wait till I said I do? Why did he wait? Why did he wait till my baby got 18? Why did he wait? Why? Why did he wait till I stood at her bedside for two or three or four or five months or two years or three years and then they left us anyway? Why did he wait? Pastor Josh? why did he wait four days? Lazarus has been sitting in this tomb four days. Why did he wait till I got to the middle of this sea? So that you and I could know that he can walk on water. And Jesus stands at the end of time and declares for all to hear, I am Alpha and Omega. Beginning and ending. And if God has begun a good work in you, He is faithful to complete that good work in you. You will not die in the middle of this sea this madness will not overtake you I know it seems like it could I know it's scary out there in the middle of the sea you don't know where to turn you don't have anywhere to go I can't see the shore from here I know hell is fighting some of you trying to keep you from getting to the other side everything that could go wrong is going wrong hang on hang on hang on this promises to be the ride of a lifetime and on the other side of this storm could be the greatest miracle we've ever experienced now close your eyes and if you're in a storm today and you're honest enough with yourself and with the Holy Spirit if you're in the feel like you're in the middle of this storm the greatest trek of your life the hardest journey you've ever taken you left what you thought was safety Jesus waving to you on the shore And you can't even see where it all ends. I don't even know how to get to the other side from here. This wind is so bad we may be off course. These waves are so high we may have drifted far from our course. I don't even know if we can get there. If that's you. If it feels like a situation you're all too familiar with. With everybody's eyes closed, please respect Your brothers and sisters, would you just slide your hand up and say, I know what that feels like all over the house. Now our pastors and my prayer partners are making their way to the front very quickly. Keep your hand raised. Don't put it down. I feel like I'm in a storm, pastor. I feel like I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know why he waited till now. I don't know how. I can get back to the shore I'm out here in the middle I'm out here where there's no hope I'm out here where I seem all alone My brother, my sister with your hand raised I want you to know He sees where you are His ways are higher than ours He's on a mountain somewhere I don't know how far heaven is But I know this It's high enough that He can see To the other side of your storm And I know this All you have to do Your eyes are closed Keep them closed You can't trust what you see anyway You can't trust what it looks like You can't trust what you see But I can trust what I hear So all you have to do Is what I've always done And what Peter had to do Is raise your voice and say Jesus If that's you bid me come Jesus if you can hear me and Jesus lifted his voice loudly and declared come so listen listen to me keep your hand raised on the count of three if your hand's in the air I'm going to dare you I'm challenging you I'm begging you if your hand's up in the balcony on this floor to excuse yourself out of your pew when I say three and run to this altar and put your hands in the air and say, I'm here. I'm coming. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I still don't know what we're going to do. This looks like water to me. It still looks like a storm to me. It still looks like waves to me. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I know this. I'd rather have you with me than I would face this storm alone. I'd rather you walk with me Are you ready? If your hands raise, one, two, three. Come on. All over the building. Everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's eyes are closed unless you're walking to the front. Everybody's praying. Everybody's praying unless you're walking to the front. Come on. You may not be walking to this altar today, but there's a storm that will come in your life one day. There's a day in your life where you'll have to walk down the aisle and say, God, I don't know how to get out of this except for you. When you get to this front, I want you to put both of your hands as high as you can. Our pastors and prayer partners are making their way through. If you're in the pew, I want you to put your hands high and create an atmosphere of faith. Come on, let's believe God together. Let's raise our voice. When we can't trust what we see, I can trust what I hear. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.